0: What is up, Hockey IQ listeners? I'm here to chat about our newest sponsor, Sensorina. Your brain is one of the most important parts of your body. Why not invest in a tool that allows you to train it? With Sensorina, athletes can gain a competitive edge using VR training. Players are able to go through a scenario thousands of times without having to step foot on the ice. No more waiting around for puck touches or perfect scenarios. Sensorina can enhance reaction time, decision making, and multitasking abilities, making you the next MVP. I mean, if the LA Kings are using it, it's got to be good. With our promo code HockeyIQ, you receive $50 off an annual plan purchase. Head on over to sensorina.com to check it all out.
1: On today's podcast, we have Reese Jessup. He's a former Florida Panthers scout, and he's had a very interesting trip up the ladder and soon to be back in the NHL, currently a free agent. Um, I'd also like to make a shout-out to our sponsor, Easy Crease. Be kind to your goalies. Give them a crease. uh, Check them out. Easy Crease. Dan, what'd you take away? Yeah, that was a lot of fun.
2: Uh, I had never spoken with him directly. We've interacted on Twitter before, and... (laughs) He's a great follow while he's in the public sphere for now. Like you said, I've always really admired him. Like this is a guy who started at Canucks Army. That was my foray into his work, and that's a blog that has um, really produced a lot of NHL quality people. They've just they've been kind of like a feeder for the NHL. And you know, in my own writing for the Blue Jackets blog, First Ohio Battery, we definitely try to emulate what Canucks Army started. So it was
1: pretty cool to get to chat with him. I really enjoyed how much he talked about context, everything being within context. You know, you you just, you're looking for the best players, but you know, how do you weed out, you know, someone playing in the BC versus the O, you know, wherever they're going to be and figuring out, you know, who truly drives the player and who's going to have value at the next level. So that was cool. And they just, his drive to continue to learn and I also love the fact that he is a subscriber to the Hockey IQ newsletter. I mean, what's more to love than that? Couldn't have said it better myself. All right. Without further ado, our episode with Reese. Welcome, Reese. Great to have you on the Hockey IQ podcast. I'm excited for this one. How are you doing?
3: Thanks for having me. I am. I'm doing great. I'm also uh, really excited to be talking to you guys. Thank you to uh, to you and Dan for for having me.
1: Yeah. Super excited. I mean, you've got a very interesting background um, of how you've kind of come into this, and then. Being around the Florida Panthers for a bit, uh, you got to see some interesting stuff, which I know we won't be able to talk about all of it, but uh, give the listeners a little bit of that. I think they'll very much appreciate it. But uh, maybe a quick background from from you on your story.
3: Yeah, um, I actually have a a background in in business. I have a, a business degree from UBC, and I kind of got into this uh, almost by accident because. Like, you're going to university, you think you're going to have a career in, in, in whatever you're getting your degree in. But while I was there, I started um, sports writing. I started writing for Canucks Army, uh, which is a uh, blog that covers the Vancouver Canucks. And while I was there, uh, one of the things that we, uh, we collectively wrote about was the uh, NHL entry draft, uh, myself and a couple of other uh, individuals did a lot of original research on the, uh, on the draft, uh, looking at it through a more uh, quantitative lens from that that caught the eye of of some people in in florida and we were uh we were hired on to kind of augment their amateur scouting uh department while i was there i basically told dale talent hey i'd like to transition to a more traditional role because you know that's why you get into hockey you you get into hockey because you love it you don't love love crunching numbers and and thumbing through spreadsheets you you get it you get into it because you like being in the rink you like watching games you like all that stuff so so that was kind of a uh something that I wanted to do. And while I was there, I, I, I got the opportunity to, to, to learn a lot and kind of not only that, but but test myself. And I, I was fortunate enough to, to be uh, promoted into a uh, scouting role. And yeah, for the last uh, number of years, until I left this past January, I was able to, uh, to be one of the uh, Western scouts for the Florida Panthers.
2: Reese, did you grow up in BC? And if so, did you grow up playing hockey? I'm just curious, like what your hockey playing experience is.
3: Oh yeah, for sure. I'm, uh, I'm from Vancouver, BC. So I've, I've been in the, uh, the lower mainland all my life. Uh, again, basically skating all my life, but my, my dad played, my mom was a figure skater. So I was skating from the time I, as soon as I could walk, I was, uh, I was on the ice skating. So I've been playing for, for my whole life, which is about So that's about 27 years I've been on the ice now. So it's, uh, it's, it's I've hockey is, is, is something that's been pretty much a constant for me all through all through elementary school high school i've made some of my best friends through hockey i i, I love being at the rinks so, and it's, it's just been a part of my life since since day one basically
2: that's awesome before we get too far away from it i, I kind of want to keep talking about connects army because i think it's so fascinating that you know this blog became so influential not just in the like hockey analytics space but also obviously like you said people uh in nhl circles are reading your stuff and it's it became almost like a breeding ground for hockey writers, um, at least in, in my opinion, like it was probably one of, the, if not the most like influential hockey blog for some years there. What do you think you can kind of attribute that success to? Was it just like youthful energy and like everybody's kind of just working on these projects together or, or what was it about, what was in the water that led you guys to be so successful?
3: Shared trauma from 2011, maybe. Uh, <laughs> People don't forget. Tom Drance, who's with The uh, with the Athletic previously, he was a PR guy for the Florida Panthers as well. He's all, he's also done stuff for the Score and Sportsnet. Uh, he was running Canucks Army at the time that I was brought on. And uh, he he always likes to joke that in back-to-back years, uh, he had NHL-quality crews running his draft analysis because one year he had uh, Cam Sharon and Rob Pettipese both of whom were uh, later picked up by Kyle Dubas and the Toronto Maple Leaves. Uh, and then when they left the public sphere, then uh, he had uh, Dmitry Filipovich who went, uh, worked for the, uh, the Calgary Flames for a time. I believe he's still with Sportsnet now. Uh, and then he had um, myself, Cam Lawrence and Josh Weisbach who of course all three of us went to the Florida Panthers. So in a, and I'm sure I'm forgetting more people too, but in a, a very kind of, Brief run of of a of a three four five year span, we had a lot. We had a number of people that that were we were working with and collaborating together with um, that that ended up finding their way to the uh, to, to the NHL. And I'm not really sure I I, I attribute that to any one thing uh, with us all being in the one place. I mean everyone everyone that I worked with had the pleasure of working with. Um, was was obviously in, incredibly talented uh and i think the fact that we were all at canucks army might have just been happenstance because i'm pretty confident that the guys like cam Sharon and, and uh cam lawrence josh weisbach is especially like those those guys are, are all talented like they're 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 really talented they're really smart they would have found their way one way or the or, or the other so but it was it was definitely a really interesting experience especially looking back on it now going like wow we had no idea that when we were doing this at the time, that when when we were doing some of the iterations of our models and, and being banned for scraping all these websites and stuff, and, and running from, from, uh, and this is one of the stories that Josh Weisbach will tell you. He, he was in a gated community in San Jose on vacation, running from open Wi-Fi to open Wi-Fi uh, to scrape HockeyDB for a project that we were doing, because HockeyDB bans you from scraping. So it would IP ban him. So we just move on to the next one. IP ban him. So we just move on to the next one. So it's it, it's funny looking back on stuff like that and going like, wow, can you believe that ev- that like everyone here wound up in the NHL in one capacity or, or another?
2: That's wild. Like, what? It, I mean, I I am so fascinated by this whole thing uh, because I think that you really inspired like a bunch of team blogs to like try to become more creative. Like, what was the day to day culture like? Were you just like, it sounds like. Uh, you were almost given free rein to take on these big projects at the expense, maybe of you know the day-to-day minutia, or, or am I missing the boat there?
3: Um, there was some push and pull uh, from the top. Certainly, that uh, the people at the Nation Network who are higher ups, uh, they they started with Oilers Nation in, in Edmonton, and the 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 flavor of that blog is certainly um, a little different, uh, a lot different, uh, actually. So. I attributed a lot to to Tom Drance in another way, like the mainstream media in Vancouver kind of helped it as well. A guy like Jason, uh, the late Jason Boschford was always a big booster of the work that we, that we did at Canucks Army and the receptiveness of, of some of the more predominant voices in um, Vancouver mainstream media made it really easy for us to, to, to have kind of this, this different culture where we, we weren't, we were still fans, but we weren't so irreverent that we were like a, a glorified message board sort of. And there was certainly because I, I started as a uh, as a as a columnist there, just doing research articles and, and stuff like that. I I've, I later became managing editor, so I ran the site, and there was there was some some kind of push and pull with, hey, we want you guys to do to to do th- this stuff and 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 we'd be like that doesn't fit the tenor of our blog that doesn't that's not what our audience wants so it was a uh it was a bit of a uh a, a fight at times but we had a, a good thing going there and we were able to grow viewership and, and 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 stuff to a degree where we were allowed that a bit more of that uh that free reign and allowed to continue what doing what we were doing
1: I, i've been really loving the fact that you guys were able to go on and take a different viewpoint. Um, of looking at these prospects and you just talked about it, uh, about all of the models that you guys use. I know you're using hero rankings and um, different things like that and scraping and all these projects. I'm, I'm kind of curious because you've, you've been through it from pretty much the beginning and seeing that evolution of the old models to the new models. Um, how are they being used? What's useful about them? What maybe wasn't so great and how's that changed over time?
3: This is actually a, a really interesting question and something that I don't think gets talked about enough, especially in terms of the applicability of, of new models and, and or of, of old models as well. Um, I think the kind of one of the more predominant points that hasn't changed over the course of the years um, is that every model that's being built has been based on scoring and points and, and, and the factors that, that you, we can tease out that have, uh, that have kind of influenced that we we made some innovations at canucks army i know cam and josh in particular uh when they were able to build pcs which was the uh, the the model that they had uh, or revealed publicly the big kind of innovation there was a uh, a model based on comparisons and cohorts so looking at like comparable players and seeing how they how they turned out it was more of a it was like a, a historical cohort analysis based on a number of attributes The history goes back further than that. A lot of the work that I did that that preceded PCS and and a lot of the work was was inspired by guys at Hockey Prospectus back in the early 2000s, guys like Gabe Desjardins, Ian Fife. And they've all, all the models have been to to a certain point scoring models, points models. And that's a pretty important thing to to realize when you're looking at the applicability of them and how, how to use them and how to use these models. Because if you talk to any sort of analyst, contemporary analyst that looks at nhl stuff nowadays they'll tell you points are a terrible way to judge a player they 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 don't necessarily correlate year over year with with raw offensive ability they don't tell you anything about defensive or or two-way ability there's a lot of things like contextual factors that influence them so when you're dealing with prospect models you are dealing with that reality but at the same time you go back, you test them, and this is one of the first things we tested with uh, with what one of our experiments is that we found that a pretty simple heuristic can perform at least comparable to about a third of the NHL, like you indistinguishable for that. So if there was no value in numbers, you wouldn't be able to take basically unfiltered raw points and perform to a level of, of a lot of the league. And when we started layering like more more complex quantitative measures on top of that it got better and better so there's we know that there's value in them and but we also know that they're how they're applicable has to be accounted for in, in, in certain ways. You have to realize what the limitations are. So when you're looking at prospects in particular, like, okay, we don't know any from points. We don't know anything about their two-way games. We don't know about like translatable skills. We don't know about platform skills. We we can't really, what we can say are, are these, these things and we can do a market analysis and we know historically what the trends are and stuff like that. So it's all really valuable information. It's all things you need to know to make a proper educated decision. But there's also a place for it in a way to use it. And if you don't understand how to use it, then you're not going to maximize the value you get out of that. And you're also not going to maximize the value you get out from your other information gathering exercises.
1: I'm curious on what those added layers look like on top of these models. Obviously it's based on scoring, but then what are people doing? What is so valuable that people have gone beyond and into?
3: I think a lot of the, um, the stuff that's added on those those extra layers there are a lot of contextual factors because you're trying to kind of when you're looking at scoring you're kind of trying to tease out okay how good is this player as an individual and 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 how do we get that from this 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 number here so you're looking at things like if a guy is more physically mature he should score more against less physically mature guys you can account for that with age uh to to a degree if a guy is in a league that has absolutely no goaltending that matters with regards to how many points that they'll they'll get at the end of the year what are what are their teammates like how much do they play what opportunities do they get are they paying at power play they playing five on five uh historically what level does this player have to be scoring at at this league to have a good chance of playing in the nhl so you're going back and you're doing a a a long-term analysis on like league strength and stuff like that and you're trying to to account for 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 factors as well because with scoring certain scoring numbers you can begin estimating things like time on ice, and then you can begin looking at like efficient offensive efficiency and stuff like that. So it's just la- layering on, kind of like co- context, 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 in order to to account for the factors that are that are important in in influencing what you what you see in the the, the raw counts. Because once you be able, are able to do that, then you're you're more able to to really start drawing really strong conclusions from uh, from your analyses.
2: I don't want to put you into a bind here, so I'll leave this question vague on purpose. How have your scouting philosophies changed over time?
3: In terms of philosophies, uh, I think the broad overall philosophy hasn't actually changed that much. Uh, The way that I've always kind of seen it is you are trying to find the best hockey player, a pretty kind of straightforward guiding principle. So everything you're you're doing that is is looking at, OK, what guy here do I think is going to be the best hockey player? And why do I think that? In terms How of you the actual the best. Yeah, the, I'm, I'm, I'm getting I there. Like I'm like getting there. Need, I feel like we Jeez. need that little piece there. Yeah, them off. Yeah. And, th- and that's the, and that's the million dollar cra- question, isn't it? And it, it's a lot of it has been just kind of learning about like what. Just like a lot of technical stuff. It's, it's just how you get good at anything just learn, learn technical stuff. And then the, the rest kind of follows. So it's, it's learning in terms of like, okay, what's a good skating stride? Like what's, what's, if there's two guys that are bad skaters, what separates a guy that's fixable from a guy that's not fixable? Uh, what's, what, are, what's, what's good decision making? What's, what's good hockey sense? What is good stick handling technique? This, and, and once you begin like layering all that on and, and on the philosophies in terms of, okay, what guy's just the best player, then it, 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 you can really start making a, a framework, I think, of, 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 of scouting. I've always kind of tended to, uh, because I think a lot of the, one of the misnomers with analytics is like, oh, they they, they, like, they prefer the, the soft skill player, the soft skill player. And I, te- personally, I've never been a big fan of the soft skill player. So it's actually probably done less for for me in terms of changing my uh, my my outlook than than some people might think. Like one one my favorite player for the Vancouver like I was a big Vancouver Giants fan growing up. My favorite Vancouver Giant of all time was, or uh, my favorite two Giants of all time were um, Milan Lucic and Brendan Gallagher. And I don't think, sure they they're both pretty skilled guys, but I don't think you would classify either of them as soft. So there's always a bit of that in terms of guys that and and players that I'm, I'm looking for so i'm not sure if uh philosophies have have changed over time as much as just the ability to uh to, to do the job has
1: where, where do you like to get your ideas how do you learn your technicals i know a lot of people out there listening in or wondering about the technical side of it how did you improve your technicals uh would be my first question um maybe even before that is is maybe how do you go about identifying hockey iq and that hockey sense
3: well before that well not before that well i will get we'll get into the hockey iq and hockey sense uh one first um because I, I i do i do have an answer that i want to talk about for this one is that i i look at hockey sense and i kind of break it down into two main areas problem solving and creativity i look at problem solving as the ability to take a puck from a highly contested traffic area and gain time and space with it I look at creativity as the kind of opposite of that is take a puck from a low pressure area into a highly contested danger area. So you're doing a lot of problem solving on defense and you, you have to be creative to, to, to manufacture offense. It's like, how do you, how do you get pucks to the front of the net versus how do you prevent people from, from, from getting there? So that's kind of how I, uh, I, I look at, I look at that and I really have valued guys that have good problem solving and just doing things on the ice that that lead to keeping pucks out of high danger areas on on defense like for example when i when i looked at john ludwig he was a florida's third overall pick uh we got him uh, a couple years ago a little off the off the board he was a re-entry defenseman with like 18 points in 50 something games so not exactly an analytics darling but when you you went and you watched him you you looked at the things that he did on the ice and you thought about what like contemporary analysis would 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 say about that sort of player in the nhl in terms of okay he sealed he denied ice really well in the in the defensive end so he kept guys out of the slot he when he had the puck on the stick in the defensive zone he was really good at making that that 10 20 foot pass to a guy out of pressure he had really good two zone vision he could put pucks on the tape of guys streaking across the far offensive blue line so you're you're looking at at those 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 little things You're like, yeah check 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 so so to me just kind of going through the little things like that. That's what makes. That's what good hockey sense is to me. The ability to work pucks away from pressure when you're on when when you're on defense, and the be able to work pucks into pressure when you're when you're trying to uh, t- to attack the and and manufacture offense. As far as as learning about the technical side, uh, I really can't say that there's um that, that, that there's one definitive source. It's just kind of. A, c- a continuous process of of reading the little snippets you can here and there um and 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 just building on 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 what you know and adding just like little little things to to your toolkit um i again i i've talked to a bunch of skating coaches uh we we had the the for the good fortune in Florida uh one of the other guys in the uh the, the west the western beat evan marble is a is a uh, power skating instructor out of uh, out of camloops so I was able to learn a lot from him. And you, you like you. Sh- you just read. I've, I've, I've read stuff on coaches' site. I've watched a lot of YouTube videos. Uh, read articles on the internet, and just taking bits and pieces from 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 everywhere to kind of add that to the uh, to to the repertoire in terms of what what I know and uh, and how how you can apply it.
1: And there's no better way to find out about these little bit of snippets than the Hockey IQ newsletter. Wow, you are. <laughs> I, I, I know. I know. I know. <laughs> <anyone's>. <laughs> I know Reese was already talking about puck acquisition, how great of an article that one was about finding ways to elongate passing options. So Mm -hmm. he's on board already. I think the rest of our listeners need to
3: go into there. There there was a fantastic one recently about how saucer passes are overrated. I mean, really that article was more about how like slip and hook passes are underrated, but anyways, those can subscribe, subscribe to the newsletter.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. There you go. Um, (laughs) I'm curious, we were talking offline before this started a little bit about the BCHL and the complications that, um, maybe not complications, but just the difference between scouting junior A versus CHL. So maybe just start there with your experiences and then I kind of want to dive in a little bit, but I'll let you start like at the top
3: yeah for sure the uh the touchstone of this and just to like completely rip the Band-Aid off to for for, for our listeners cuz this is going to come out later uh we are, were the world juniors is on right now canada russia alex newhook scored and daniel and i were talking about um uh when a uh, in newhook's draft year cuz I, I saw a lot of him with uh, with the victoria, victoria grizzlies yeah. we ended up taking uh, one of his teammates carter berger in the in the fourth round that year uh another re-entry defenseman in the bchl uh, and Alex Campbell I believe he went in the th- early third round to Nashville uh, was also on that team so three uh, NHL prospects on one BCH oh excuse me BCHL team um, and that's just that's a rarity that that doesn't happen. I mean there's it's probably happened at some other point but I can't particularly recall in uh, in junior a when when that's happened um, because junior A is a very interesting league in in terms of how it compares to the bc or to to the, the chl first of all the quality of competition is just lower uh guys that star in the in the bchl are usually bottom six guys in the whl a good example of that was there is a player holden katzelay uh, big power forward type for the surrey eagles last year he's one of the league uh scoring leaders went to the vancouver giants and he was a, a role player He's this here, he's this here. That's that's a pretty easy easy barometer. and Because that, that was within the same season. It's not like he went. He was one, one league, one year, one year, the next. It's a couple weeks apart. But on the other hand, it's also a much older league than the WHL as well. Because you're allowed, I believe, six 20-year-olds on your roster rather than just three. So it skews a lot older. And there's also the uh, the matter of you get a lot of, of kids from American high school that are using it as a stopover year until the NCAA. So when you're drafting out of that league, you also have to consider that the long-term projection on these guys is like, well, you don't have to sign them to an ELC right away. They can they can go three, four years and in, in in the NCAA develop. You can put them there, see how it goes. You're not forced into a decision on them as quickly as you would be on a CHL player. So there's a lot of just different little factors that that make it just a little uh different scouting junior a than uh, than the whl and there's there's some quality prospects that come out of there for sure but if, if you're not kind of cognizant of, of all the little things at play like because one of the big things like for example when you're talking about a bchl or one of the big considerations is where, where is he going to school where, where, where is he committed because if you if, if there's a guy committed to a crap program you're going oh no that's going to be like three four development years wasted do we really want want that or do or do we want the guy that's like guaranteed to to go to nodak or something? But then you get the guy that has a commitment to nodak. Maybe he's playing like third, fourth line minutes there. So that next step being out of your control is uh, just another little consideration. So it's definitely an an interesting challenge with with all those little factors at, at play.
1: I I'm a big fan of the BC. I feel like that league is is way underrated. Uh, so I, I guess I'm going to segue this to how do you kind of watch a game and study hockey itself and a lot of people if they're doing it for say I'm scouting and I'm looking at a player but like how do you kind of just study the game in general picking up these technical stuff and when you're doing your own research or you're trying to understand the game better
3: watching a game from a more breaking down the game perspective uh, in terms of that and scouting a game can be kind of different and even scouting a game throughout the year uh, changes as, as well because early, early in the year, it, you kind of go through a couple phases. You kind of go through like a, a, a discovery phase and then a, a focus phase near the end of the season. Early in the year, there's a lot of guys that you're either not familiar with or you haven't seen in a bunch of calendar months. So they might've made significant progress year over year. So you spend a lot of time early in the season kind of casting a wide net, uh, looking looking at some guys uh, on on more of a surface level. Of course, still trying to, be be detailed and be thorough so you don't miss anything but you're you're looking at more players at, at the start of the year and, and just like okay who's impressing who's impressing me? You're, you're looking for positives you're looking for positives you're looking for positives at, at the start just like do 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 something that puts yourself on, on on my radar if it's if it's if it's a smart defensive play if it's a good move in in tight one-on-one if it's a nice pass if it's Uh, a good back check to like hustle, to break up something on the back check. If it's a big hit, like just, just something put your, put yourself on, on the radar. So that's kind of how it, it starts in the air. And then when you get further on, you can kind of, kind of key in on, on, on one or two guys, uh, or maybe more than that, but you can cue in on fewer guys to a, to a higher degree. So at that point, you're starting to, to, to get a holistic picture of, of, of their game. You're trying to, I don't want to say poke holes, but you're trying to find everything they're good at, everything they're not good at. You want to, that's when you want to do the real detailed breakdowns. I found that uh that in terms of technical uh, ability stuff, especially for skating strides, video is is actually very valuable for this because you can pause, you can stop, pause, replay like a uh, just a neutral zone skating sequence like. 40 times you can look okay how where's where's his balance point is he is he collapsing it at, at at the hips what's his ankle flexion like how's his how's his extension how's his recoveries um and and, and kind of get a, get get a sense in in that that detail you can if a guy shoots the puck and scores okay how is his how's he rolling his wrists is his is his top arm is it is it loose from his body or is it stapled to his hip so and those are, those are things that you can get into as, as, as you watch more and more. And those are kind of the, the little technical things that, that you're looking at when, when, you, when you're looking at, at those guys later in the season.
2: That makes a ton of sense. And you just stole a question right from me. I was going to ask you about video scouting and if there's any advantages that you see to it. And, and you just mentioned like being able to kind of go back and rewatch neutral zone plays or, or shooting or anything really. But I think that just like in this era that we're living in right now and in this time, like what have been your observations about how the hockey community at large has kind of adopted video scouting? Do you think that there's going to be more of a presence down the road, five, 10 years? Like where where do you see this going? And aside from what you had already said, is there anything else maybe that comes to mind about video scouting that's
1: particularly valuable? And then on the flip side, I know Buffalo. Back in the day, they, they pretty much almost went directly to only video scouting and left the rinks a little bit. What uh, would be the value of in person?
3: I'll start on the uh, the in person side uh, first. Is that one of the things that I, I noticed that a lot of people are moving to? Are, are is is ISO footage? I know that there's a lot of uh, firms out there now that are providing ISO footage of players, and the danger with that is that it gives you a very myopic viewpoint on one player because it's basically stripping all the game context and all the player con- and all the other player context from from that viewing and just having you focus on one guy one guy one guy and of course at the end of the day the the exercise of the entry draft isn't just like focusing on one guy it's gauging a guy relative to everyone else in the draft when you're just on on video you risk losing a lot of the the contextual stuff in terms of what's going on in the game what's going on in the on, on the ice like what you just what what's happening away from where the camera's focused so there's there's a lot of uh value in in being able to see beyond um just just what's on what's on video there and there's also value in just being in rinks as as well there's there's value in 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 going there and, and talking to talking to coaches talking to to the players and and stuff like that just being around and 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 listening to to kind of keeping your uh your your nose to the ground as as it as it as it were uh in terms of video the one of the first of all the big advantage of video is efficiency uh if i have to do uh a game in prince george and then get back to victoria the next day like that's that's you're, you're wasting whole days traveling when you're on the road that's it's expensive it's time consuming um it's it, it's just yeah the the live viewing is valuable but at the same time and you do have to get to some of these 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 places to see the kids play on on home ice versus if you're just watching them on the road because there is the difference of of being in, in your own bed and, and or going in someone's barn at the end of a long road trip so there's there's the difference there but Video enables you just to do, like if you have an ISO cam on a guy, that's 18 vid- that's 18 minutes of video. You can sit down at, at your computer, open it up, pause, replay, take notes, take detailed notes, screenshot, diagram, set, clip it, send it to, to someone else to, to say, hey, what do you think of this play right here? You can do that. You can do like knock out five or six of those on key guys in the span of one, just one live viewing rather and that's before you even take into account like the the time you save just traveling and getting to places
1: going back a little bit i want to go back to your vancouver giants days i, I know you said you developed implemented and executed comprehensive program to track and report player performance based on a variety of uh metrics so i'm, I'm curious how you improved and increased the amount of information um, at the disposal of the organization, whether it be coaches, management, and really assisting in developing and making those decisions regarding the player personnel.
3: I, uh, (laughs) I see you found my LinkedIn page. Um, (laughs) we're we're well uh, researched here. (laughs) I mean, isn't that like the third, uh, the third result on Google search? (laughs) So, I
1: don't know. I, I go yeah, to top page seven, and then I'm like, all right, I, I think I've had enough.
3: Man, yeah. is the next question going to be about my science fair performance in sixth grade? <laughs> Jesus, dude, um, you shouldn't
1: have had that cup of dirt as your project. Okay, just a cup yeah. with dirt in it.
3: I mean, the 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 scary part was is that the sixth grade science project was about diffusion across surfaces and like dist- water distillation. So I did have a cup of dirt and with 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 the project. So that is weird. We did research, um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the the Vancouver Giants. That was a that was an interesting opportunity with with them because a lot of that was 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 like we kind of want to get like a second or like a kind of more of an objective set of, of of eyes on on some of the stuff that uh, that that we're doing here. So a lot of that was 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 track was tracking stuff, uh, compiling reports. Uh, just like manual tracking and, and like compiling reports and, and saying like hey this is what this means this is what this means this is what this means and just kind of taking it into uh, into account like so I remember some of the one of the main things that we did was at, at training camp Lauren Malkin didn't think uh tyroning was shooting the puck' was shooting the puck enough uh, so we, we sat down and said hey you're this is this is where you are with uh or actually no it, it wasn't he wasn't shooting the puck enough he wasn't getting in between the dots to shoot enough it's like hey these is, this is how many shot attempts you have this is how many are actually coming from dangerous areas. If you look at your proportion of this and this, you're here on the team, and it's not even the end of training camp yet. You got to be doing a better job of getting in between the dots to and and getting to the net, because even though you're getting like this many shots, you're making it easy on goalies. So just having something like that for for some of the players to uh, to illustrate, like right right then and there, because uh, because when you have that evidence, it's like. Oh yeah, I get it. Like it, it clicks then. So yeah, it was it was a lot of stuff like like that, just kind of having having little numbers to to kind of augment the the, the information uh, in, internally. So it was um it was a lot of it was a lot of just manual manual work in in writing reports.
1: <laughs> was there anything that was extremely important beyond the individuals, like lineup construction, things along those lines?
3: not so much uh lauren Molikin was uh, was our coach at the time uh and and lauren is a uh a real old school guy uh and he had final say over, over the lineups so it was it was a lot of helping him with uh kind of uh, framing things and and like he if if his his intuitions were were correct or or not or and and what what i was or what the numbers were were saying so in terms of lineup decisions it wasn't there, there was some things here and there. Um, this was a while ago, so I, I don't remember any specifics. But, but yeah, it was, it was, it was mostly on the um, uh, help helping him kind of e- explain things to, uh, to, to player side and helping uh, the GM Scott Bonner just have a uh, have have a better sense of what his uh, how his team was performing.
2: This is a kind of a random one, but is there a team or a player that stands out for you that you really enjoyed scouting or? Kind of as memorable to you all these years later
3: i mean the 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 one that's going to stand out and i've already mentioned him uh this 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 interview is uh is is john ludwig he was the uh the first guy that um based on based on reports that i'd i'd wrote was we we drafted into the into the nhl and it was just it was a lot of fun because it's 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 one of those good scouting stories because it's like a two-year chase because we drafted him as a re-entry player but I remember going down to the Everett pre- Everett Silver Tips preseason tournament, um, and he was this. I don't think he was drafted by them. I think he was listed. He was just this listed defenseman out of the, I believe, it was Kijhl or something. He plays. He played his sixteen um, year old season in like Junior B, and he was like a point per game player there. And I remember watching with the offensive blue line, like pump fake a guy, take it to the backhand cut in and have a have a scoring chance from the from the blue line i'm like who who is this guy and then i remember him being just the the nastiest piece of work in the entire camp as well like there was not a pair there was not a back of someone's legs that he wasn't going to slash that uh that that <laughs> camp so I, I i remember just watching him and being like and and because i uh i didn't have a uh, a visa that season so i couldn't go to down to the uh the states to um to watch games because i was just like the bc regional scout that year so I'd have to catch him every once in a while when he came up through, uh, through Vancouver and he showed some progression. Like he showed some, some of that stuff, but not as effective as I, I'd seen him. And it was like preseason when I saw him the first time. So I was like, okay, this like, there's, there's something here. I'm going to, I'm going to just put a put a pin in this guy and, and keep watching him. Cause I'm not confident right now. And he's playing as like the seven, eight defenseman in Portland. And like, am I really gonna bang the table for like a number seven, number eight, WHL guy at 17, at, at then you talk to Mike Johnston, and he's like, "Yeah, he's going to be our captain next year." He he had a he had an increasing role throughout the season, and 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 they they just loved him. His 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 dad Jan Ludwig, is a scout for the Bruins, and like, you, you hear some of the stories like, "Yeah, we we don't have cable or internet at our at our place in Kamloops, so Johnny just goes out to the bar the, the barn and works out like Rocky." Yeah, he's over in the Czech Republic training with like the the extra Liga teams and stuff like that. So it's like you're 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 following up on this guy and you're like okay am i am i falling in love with the deal here is there actually a good hockey player so there's a lot of 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 that that goes into play cuz you don't want to just be fooled by a good story cuz like that's how you get taken in that's how you make bad decisions but that whole process of 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 going going through that uh for for the two years and it got to the point uh in his plus 1 season where he was like a, a top pairing defenseman for the Winter Hawks he was their number one matchup guy he was first unit penalty kill first pair at even strength like defensive zone specialist great puck mover that we we, we just sat sat there and, and we said we we think he's worth this like he's in the we're looking at there in the third round we had a lot of wing prospects available we also really liked adam beckman that year and but it's we we had a ton of 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 guys coming on the wing so it's like we need a defenseman so at that point we just i just felt confident going like if you want a defenseman this is your guy so that, that whole two year process is, is is the one that sticks out to me because not it it wasn't just like the the first guy but it was it was uh it, it was a good scouting story too uh, to uh to say the least.
1: And I'm assuming you had to be uh, crapping your pants a little bit, like okay, what's wrong with this kid that Boston hasn't taken him yet when his dad's right there?
3: Yeah, I mean there's 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 some of that too. Like we we thought that uh that that other team or that other teams were really interested in, in him as, as well so we knew that there was there was a uh, other nhl interest so that that helped us uh feel a little reassured and also we got absolutely glowing reports on him from uh from his coach in in portland like mike johnson what just like he he named him the captain he's like yeah this this he's he's absolutely dialed in like he's going to be one of the the best defensemen in, in in the league so we were confident based on what 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 we'd seen the the work that we'd done that even though yeah his the team that employs his dad didn't that didn't really bother us because we were we were pretty confident in the uh, the work we did and the the homework we did.
2: Yeah, I'm looking at his elite prospects page right now. His draft plus one year, he had 17, 45, 62, and 60 games, so over a point a game as a defenseman as a 19 year old. I guess the yeah. natural follow up here is, you know, this is like a story with a happy ending. Like, what's it like to be on the other side where you follow a kid for like, or not just a kid, like you know, a region for you, you know, for months, years. And then when it comes to the draft, either like the pick gets traded or they go another direction. And like, you know, obviously maybe the fit wasn't right, but you have to have some sort of like vested interest. I've always been super curious, like you don't have to speak in specifics. I know you can't anyway, but like, what's it like being on the other side? You know, this is like your livelihood, obviously. And part of your reputation is like getting your guys or you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's obviously complicated, but what's it, what's it like being on the other side of this?
3: Uh, I mean, the short answer is it sucks, but the the uh, the yeah. longer answer is <laughs> part of the job. Like a a a major part of the job is saying no, and right. if you can't, if you if you try and force it and you can't say no, you are potentially more dangerous to your team and organization than if you if you say uh if then then if you if you can't say no because if you can't say no and you're always pushing for guys well then you're advocating for your employer to invest valuable development resources on players that you deep down know are not worth it so there like there have been times when where I when I'm looking at it and I'm like there's seven guys in this region And other than that, like once we get past like guy six or guy seven, who will be gone in like round three, maybe Yeah, my job
2: here is done.
3: Yeah. Don't, don't even come back to me because I'm telling you right now, like it's just not worth it. Wow. So even though you'd love to come to the table with, with guys every single year and say, yeah, this guy's going to be a star. This guy's going to be a star. This guy's going to be great and have like just hit after hit, after hit, after hit. The reality of the situation is it just isn't like that. Like that's just not how, drafting and player development has worked historically so being able to turn around and say like no there's sorry guys there's just no one like that's and you have to be able to trust like the rest of your the rest of your staff that everyone's going to be doing that as well like everyone there should be pulling on the same rope everyone there should be aligned in 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 your in your incentives to 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 make the team as 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 good as you possibly can so that even though, yeah, it's good for your reputation or whatever. Your reputation should be founded on how the team does at the draft table, not just the guys that that you get from your region. Because otherwise, you're you're gonna make mistake. You're gonna make unforced errors, and that's that's really something that you just want to eliminate as much as you can. Yeah,
2: no, absolutely. Yeah, and and I mean, as you know, obviously, like the WHL's had some up and down draft years. Uh, I'm not gonna pretend to know how this upcoming one is. Uh, although I know Lambos is a stud and he'll go early, but that's that's super interesting. I, I guess I've never really like thought a ton about it and just hearing that was pretty insightful so thanks that thanks for that Greg you got anything else?
1: yeah I, I got one last one for you here so let's let's talk about uh, your career path here so um, been a, been a great one. I know you're active on Twitter right now and I'm assuming that probably isn't gonna last forever it is I would assume you've got. Uh, some NHL teams probably sniffing around you. So w- what are you looking for in your next position? What's going to be a good fit for you? You know, what do you want to look for in teams uh, that really make it a good spot for you?
3: I mean, obviously I want to get back in the NHL first and foremost, that's a, uh, <laughs> that's, I I'd, I'd think that's a, a pretty easy uh, assumption to make uh and 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 i've been fortunate enough to to talk to a couple teams here um in 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 my downtime um i'm i'm really hoping for just kind of a a good fit that's kind of more more philosophically aligned with with what i i i like doing in terms of this like everyone pulling on the same rope everyone doing looking for certain things being aligned in in how we how we look at players um just just uh like some kind of cohesion and 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 probably a little more progressive too in terms of how how the job should be done and the uh the overall philosophies at the drafting table and stuff because like what the what a team values and 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 how they value players can change from from team to team and that also that honestly dictates how you do your job so something like that like that would be would, would be nice but uh at the end of the day, like I'm, I'm a competitor. Uh, I don't like being on the sidelines. Uh, I like being, uh, being in the fight. I like being in the, um, in, in the rink. So we'll, we'll see what, what comes along and, uh, and if it, and no matter what happens, I'm, I'm confident that, uh, I'll make, I'll make the best of it. That's wonderful.
1: So following up on that, is there an NHL team that goes more towards what you value uh, just based on, on what they've picked here in the last few years, or you know, what is a team that you're drafting? What is, what does it look like? What are you valuing?
3: For me, I look at how drafts uh, plan to your over to like a team's overall player acquisition strategy, and I think that the teams that I that I that I really appreciate in terms of how they draft are the ones that go for for upside because the the ability to fill. A roster spot is one thing, but filling a roster spot with a valuable player is is another. If you find one second, like long term second line forward, like how many second line forwards are traded for like four fourth line forwards in the NHL? Like yeah. you you just don't see that. You you want when it's a second line forward, it's like you want you want like picks with upside or something, or or a prospect or something with upside that you hope can one day replace that second line forward. So when you're at the draft table, you should be, you should be thinking along those terms as well. Like, okay, one, if we get one guy that has like second line upside, he's more valuable than four guys that, that will, that are, that will be fourth liners. So the teams that I really appreciate are are the teams that have kind of, kind of done that in, in for, for the last, for the last number of years, teams that, that really kind of go and say, you know what, we know that this guy is quote unquote high risk, high reward, but that, reward is is good enough that we're willing to take on that risk because we're confident we can find those those lower risk lower reward guys elsewhere
1: so we're talking teams like carolina and uh or more more teams like maybe montreal uh, <laughs> um i've
3: i've been i've been quite a fan of what carolina's done the last couple of years they hired uh one of my uh one of my friends cody Nicolet um uh, a number of years ago and he's been working the western beat for them i know they got a, a couple guys from uh from this his from his region there this past year i really like the seth jarvis pick and even ronan seeley in in round seven for uh for what he is that was that was really good value on him so yeah the the, the hurricanes i think have, have done a good job of, of of that and uh based based on who i uh, know they have in that that organization there they're, they're they're really strong uh, out west and and throughout throughout the world. Actually, they got they got good European scouting. They got, I know that uh, that their their director of scouting Darren York's very highly thought of throughout the industry. So I'm I'm confident that they'll be able to uh, to continue drafting well going forward here.
1: Well, talking about European scouting, let's talk about two teams that have taken a lot of Europeans here recently: uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets uh, and the Toronto Maple Leafs. So let, let's hear what you got on cbj here especially with that that swing of a first round pick they just took and then probably the most popular team in the nhl and potentially most progressive
3: cbj is interesting i don't i never know much about the guys that cbj takes out of europe because of course my my focus is is in western canada and um the 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 swing on uh, on on shenikov was especially or particularly an interesting one Yarmo Kekalainen's staff has never been afraid to make ballsy calls at the draft table. I know back in the day, like the the, the Dubois over Pouliardv was like, "Oh wow, how how are they doing?" But they they, they look great on that in uh, in retrospect. So like, I I would I probably wouldn't go with some of the big uh, swings that they take uh, in the draft. Like Chinikoff wouldn't have been a guy that I would have probably looked at in in that position. But at the same time, they've earned some uh, with finding guys like. Um, new and 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 bemstrom and, and stuff like that like guys that can just like uh gavrikov that can kind of step in and just fill roles in, the, in an nhl roster uh, a pretty a pretty solid job of, of of finding what they need especially to uh when, when they've lost so much over over the years through through free agency and stuff so when you're when you're at the draft table sometimes and you look over and see what they're doing it's like okay that's interesting but yeah, and, and Toronto is is, uh, is is always interesting. Much like Carolina, they've 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 made some uh, some some really interesting and, and, and progressive calls. I, li- I liked the uh, the Amiroff pick this past year. I saw him a couple of years ago at the uh, the the World uh, Junior A Challenge when when Russia brought that team uh, the team over featuring him. And he was really good there. They like trading down and uh, and and taking upside, and, and and I'm 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 a fan of uh, of of West Clark as well. He's a uh, he he was. Uh, previously with florida he i worked with him for a couple of years before he was uh, promoted in uh in in toronto so i know that kind of the type of players that he that he likes and he was uh he was you he was another one uh, sorry he was another one of the guys that kind of had an influence on uh on me in terms of learning uh learning the craft it's it's interesting seeing guys like toby nimola who's having a great world juniors here uh, and just watching him and just going like yeah that's a that's a west clark defenseman right there that's a guy that moves in the pocket well he uh he he's Active feed at the offensive blue line, like even going back to the Sioux, get, Sioux days when when him and Kyle Dubas were in the Sioux, seeing the defensemen that came through there in that era, it's like it, it's it's pretty. Uh, you can you can see a trend. Let's uh, let's say so. It's uh, it's fun to watch the uh, the Leafs draft uh, as well.
1: Awesome. Well, this has been a wonderful conversation here. Um, open to any book recommendations, and then two minutes on the floor to talk about anything or plug anything you want.
3: I'm a little embarrassed to say I'm not much of a uh, of a of a book reader these days. Uh, I'm trying to work my way through Ryan Stimson's book, uh, Take the Space. It.
2: It's good. I read it over quarantine. Yeah.
3: Yep. Yeah. It's uh, Ryan's. Uh, Ryan's a bright guy, and he's um, he's a good guy too. I've met him at a couple of the uh, the the conferences and stuff. So he's a, he's, always, he's always a pleasure to talk to. So I'm, I'm working my way through that, and I'm uh, I'm enjoying it as well. I guess follow me on Twitter at that's underscore offside. And uh, before I go, just a shout out to my friend, uh, Tyler Horsfall. Uh, He's been going through some medical problems recently scheduled for surgery tomorrow. So by the time this comes out, hopefully you're all good, man. And uh, looking forward to to seeing you back in top shape.
2: All the best to Tyler Reese. Can't thank you enough for coming on. We, we talked for almost an hour, but we barely scratched the surface. So uh, hopefully, you know, Best of luck with everything in the, in the near future. And whether you're scooped up by another NHL franchise or not, we hope to stay in touch with you. So best of luck down the line. And thanks again for coming on.
3: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, guys. This has been a great time. Had a, had a, had a blast coming on with, uh, here with you.
1: Thank you for tuning into the Hockey IQ podcast. We are Hockey's Arsenal, Greg Revac and Dan Ducart. Together, we've come together to create a platform and a community To expand our hockey intelligence, hockey IQ, whatever you want to call it, Uh, we're very passionate about seeing this game played smarter and better and continue to develop itself uh, to the next level and staying on the cutting edge of things. So you can find us at Hockey's Arsenal on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. We're also at Uh, hockeysarsenal.com. From there, you can find some resources and some options to work with us. We're excited to continue this. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, subscribe, follow, and share. Uh, You can also join up for our newsletter as well, where we're going to tackle anything Hockey IQ related. So we're excited to have everyone here and continue to build.
0: That concludes this week's episode. Thanks for joining us here at Hockey IQ. If you haven't already, take a quick moment to hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, and drop a review. If you want to be a great teammate, even recommend us to a friend. You can follow us at Hockey's Arsenal on Twitter and Instagram. Check out the website, hockey'sarsenal.com, where you can subscribe to the weekly newsletter. You won't regret it. Catch you, Buttes, here next week for a brand new episode.